When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hot! Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show. Brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in five... Four, three, two, one. Jeff Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Great to be here. Great to be with you. Thanks for being with us on a Balls McWednesday. Last hour, Tony Tokars joined us. If you missed any of that, quarterback coach for Florida State uh, talked in-depthly about uh, that segment group as we approach spring football later this week. On Friday, Tom and myself will be over there at the luncheon along with the War Chant staff and the collected uh, assembled media to, media to have the luncheon with the coaches. And uh, Mike Norvell will have his press conference, as he does every year for the start of spring football. And then we'll have an opportunity to sit down, eat, and then talk to players and coaches, usually coaches uh, in this. It's always fun, and I look forward to it. You'll glean something. You know, the open-door policy allows us and helps us certainly provide context and insight as camp gets underway. So... Uh, I'm appreciative of that. They don't ask that we say that. I just want to note that I am because I think, uh, frankly, uh, it does, good or bad, certainly allow us to paint a picture. And that's what you want, right? You you want an opportunity to talk about players that are emerging and players that don't seem to be ready and those in between that we'll be monitoring closely. I would suspect that this will be the most competitive spring since Mike Norvell has come on board. He's had to vet the roster, try to flip it, do lots of things that would encourage competition, but it's the first time that we've built up to a point now where maybe there are enough guys in each segment group that are fighting for uh, starting jobs that we'll see a more intense product in the spring. I think that's true at receiver. I think it's true at defensive back. I think it's certainly true even along the offensive line, which year in and year out we've come in to expect is not going to be very good. Uh, but this year I think is going to be above average, um, maybe even uh, bordering on pretty good. Not quite good. I'll be willing to give you pretty good. So if that's the case, guys like Bless Harris – uh, who will be fighting for reps, could provide quality backup if he doesn't win a starting job. I'd like to believe Caden Lyles is going to win the starting job. That in and of itself 
creates more depth because you are able to move players around. That interior, I think, is going to be pretty damn good uh, between he and, and Dylan Gibbons. I, I think you're really emerging there as the strength is in the interior. And if you think about the second half of last season, one of Florida State's problems offensively, and we saw it get stagnant at times, and again, they played a lot better defensively, which kept them in games and even surprisingly helped them win some games against the better part of the schedule or what we assumed would be the better part of the schedule. Of course, we could have never guessed it'd start the season 0-4. But if you think about what kind of fell off a little bit in the second half of that season was the fact that they couldn't really run the ball effectively. Now, at the time, you know, there was speculation about injury in the quarterback room, all those sorts of things, different guys dealing with uh, melody of injuries and, and, and so forth, uh, various maladies, I should say. But I actually think it was just because um, you know, your center was on roller skates, your left tackle was okay, your right tackle wasn't good. So you had a lot of problems, I thought, offensively, just trying to run the damn ball. And everything that they want to do, we talk about this being an offense that is built for playmakers. Norvell will bring that up. And that's true when things are humming you're able to get one-on-one matchups in this offense and, and, and isolate guys and perhaps allow guys to shine that have the skill set to do it. But it's all predicated on being physical and being able to run. And until that tight end room improves before they get more dynamic up front, and uh, I think there's room for that in the, de- in the, in the offensive backfield as well, uh, beyond Jordan Travis, right? You, you need somebody to consistently run the ball with a level of dynamicism they haven't had. Uh, until that happens, I don't think you get those one-on-one matchups that allow playmakers to shine. Let's hope that that's what's been secured. I'll be watching intently in spring. Uh, I don't know, you know, Tom, you and I didn't talk about it, but yesterday we did on Seminole Headlines. Uh, Caden Lyles is a horse, is a house. It's a, a massive man. He ought to make a huge difference. Yeah, it was unfortunate for Maurice Smith, who is not small, but is not, not strong Kate, enough yet. Though. He's not Caden Lyles size. That they were running together in the agility groups because it's just like man. Right, it's a different class of player. It almost it almost looks like different eras of the football program standing side by side. Now, again, Maurice has time; he's got more time. And Caden Lyles has been in college football forever, so that is a literal grown man that is playing that position. So, you know, I don't want to harp on Maurice too much, but you mentioned something about the position battles between receivers and how that will be easily the best that we've seen in Mike Norvell's era and defensive backs as well. Well, also, what a novel concept. They'll go against each other on the practice field, Correct. too, and make each other better in that regard. It's been always something, at least uh, last four or five years, that's been in the back of my mind. When I see one group succeed in practice, I'm wondering, is that because the other group sucks? Or is that because that the group I'm watching succeed is actually really good? Unfortunately, lately, the answer has been an overwhelming yes. It is because the other group sucks. Right. Maybe we're getting to a place. Hear me out. But maybe we're getting to a place at that position, like defensive back versus receiver drills and seven-on-sevens and whatever, good on good, and the interior of the trenches, where maybe when you see a win for a position group, you say they earned that because they're going against decent competition. Well, that's certainly going to be true when you bring up specifics to the interior of the offensive line and the interior of the defensive line. Who's ever winning those battles is winning a battle worth winning. I mean, you've got what we think is a strong group guard, center guard, and you've got a strong group depth-wise up front at defensive tackle, including two sizable returners. So, man, I yeah, I absolutely get excited about that. I mean, Fabian Lovett's a big man, and obviously Big Coop is a big man. You've got uh, – that's a matchup. Like, for example, if in tackles, you're talking about the tackles versus the defensive ends. If Jared Verse is wearing out Robert Scott, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what I'm looking at. Correct. 
and we need to see that in the fall. There's nothing you can do for me right now. Now, if Robert Scott dominates Jared Verse, Ooh. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what yeah. I'm seeing. I'm worried. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, worried. More, I'm more worried. I understand. Scenario. Much more worried. But, but either way, I'm like, eh, I don't really know. But if if Caden Lyles moves Big Cooper Love it off the ball, yeah. and you get a gain of four and a short yardage in practice Correct. that you need You're with like full that. pads on, bravo. I know what I saw there. I 100% know what I saw there. We yeah. can work with that. Unless, listen, if the aforementioned reference uh, <laughs> is that Jared Verse is getting shut down, by Robert Scott, we we got problems. I'm just gonna tell you that's not, I, I know what I'm seeing. That's a problem. If that happens, you sure? Might, yes. he might be healthy. No, I'm sure that's a problem. That shouldn't happen because uh, I think even if he's healthy, he's not a a major plus player. I think he's just a, he's an adequate starter. Um, but that can't be like that. That would be a problem. He's gonna face better tackles than that guy. So well, uh, yeah. uh, so let's that might hope. be a safe assumption. Yeah, so let's hope that doesn't happen. Do you have any thoughts on Darius Washington yesterday? Did did he stand out at all? Did you notice him? No. Yeah, but I didn't. Some guys didn't, you know. And yeah. and I saw the list of what other you know members of our staff had put on the boards and, and fed to Ira to put that master post out. And I thought, oh yeah, you know what? I wasn't even looking for that guy. But Darius was one member I saw where. You could argue that he looks stronger up top, or you could also argue that we're still a little undersized at tackle in general. Like, I think the team is is a bit uh, undersized at a lot of places. Uh, I, I think I don't want to be dour here, and, and and I don't want to you know extinguish people's hope before we even go into to spring. I just think that there's a ceiling with this group. They still don't have the requisite depth of talent necessary to compete to win the ACC. Um, and and that's not saying much, right? It's the ACC. Uh, but I do think they're better. I think they will be better. I don't know what that translates to. Does it translate? Everybody wants definitive numbers. Does it translate to a top 20 offense? Does it translate to a top 20 defense? Does it translate to winning the Atlantic division? Does it translate to winning the conference? Can you be a top 25 team, a top 10 team? We all want these numbers. Can you put a label on it? I don't really know. I, I, I think you know you, you got to go year by year with the schedule. This year's schedule featuring out-of-conference games against LSU and Florida to go along with a really veteran-laden group at quarterback throughout the ACC in your competition, I don't know what it translates to. I do think Florida State's better. I just don't know if it means um, you know, an appreciable difference in record. I mean, I think they'll be better than sub-500. But you know, I heard you guys talking about this yesterday, just comparing it to two years ago. And you did this both in standalone and during headlines. The tour of duty a couple of years ago. Oh, I remember, the hell out of I remember walking out of there saying, "Oh no, oh, yeah, they no. better have the, like the edge and chip on their shoulder <laughs> of all chips on their <laughs> we shoulder." We were making up intangibles left and right. right. Really, I mean, yeah, you're, yeah. I mean, you're gonna have to possess the ball for 35 minutes in order to have a fighting chance. Something the, like that. They've upped the level of talent. That oh, is correct. easily. Ease, that's fair to say. I'm still. I judge it against the standard of us trying to be elite. We're not close. Are we worlds better than two years ago coming out of the tour of duty? Like you said, excuse me. Yes, yes. Yeah. Far, at more positions, absolutely. I feel infinitely better, and and that's yeah. because we were. Well, that's how down we were. Yeah, but that, that, oh, I'm just talking about how down we were. I'm not talking about 11 wins. I'm saying if you want to land somewhere between seven and nine, depending upon injury luck and turnover luck, mm. I think we're there. I think the size that we have is there, especially when you go across the board on defense. Tatum Bethune is a big dude. For a, he, he looks like oh, a, and an ultra productive dude at, at you know at a high level. Yeah, he looks like your your standard three four inch inside linebacker mm-hmm. at the college mm-hmm. level. Like, yeah. He's not six four, but he's whatever it is no, six no, one six he, two. Yeah. But he's stout and a lot of what for if you watch his game. Yes. And you know, I brought up 
you bring in these Miami kids, Miami Central kids, and you know he's been productive in college football. He's got instincts and knows football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So think about your front seven now. And I know we run two linebackers out there, but you've got the interior guys, which we know are big. They got to take some weight off of Dennis Briggs. He might be still a little bit too large to play Keir Thomas' role, but he he's trimming down. That that was clear. Mm-hmm. Jared Verse certainly is big enough. Looks it. Okay, he so, was called by Josh Storms to be a physical freak of nature. Right. So you like your front four. Yep. The interior, depending upon the down and distance, it's either Bethune and Deloach or Bethune and, and DJ Lundy. Okay, you yep. certainly have the size there. At safety or your third linebacker, Amari Gaynor, or we'll see if anybody else emerges, and then Jamie Robinson in the box as well. Okay, you got thumpers across the board there. You've got a different type of citizen coming into this locker room in the defensive backcourt with McCall and Azaria Thomas on the way. But even Greedy Vance, who isn't really tall, is stout and looks like he plays physical. So you've got enough size on the outside with Amarian and Kevin Knowles developing more. And it's safety, even though Akeem Dent's a little bit smaller, he plays bigger, he hits harder. We certainly think a Sidney Williams or a Shaheem Brown is large enough, too, to contribute. All right, so now I have, I have uh, all 11 positions on defense. You are now big enough. Are you deep enough? No. no. But are you big enough on the front line? Yes. Across the board. That's worlds different than where we were a couple of years ago. Yeah, I think it's good to have that perspective because I, uh, I do struggle uh, just having covered the program for so long, and you're out there for, for you know decades <laughs> At this point, I can say that. You're out there for, uh, you know, the better part of 20 years watching athletes line up that can compete with any team in the country and usually uh, thwart, win in those battles to not the last handful of years witnessing those kinds of athletes. And so even as we see the uptick in the number of players that you go, yep, that works, that translates, he can play, that fit. You still know that the depth isn't there. But you're right. Amongst the starters, it's looking more and more like those teams. Yeah, I think uh, on defense. Not 93. Right. Not 99. How about 10? How about 15 or 16? Yes, somewhere in there. Yes. Across the board, starters-wise, defensively, yes. On offense, not across the board. You've got certain position groups that you like, but it's not across the board. You say, oh, that'll work. You've got you hope that you have enough in different places that it spreads the defense out, and then Jordan Travis can take over from there. Yeah, interior of the O line helps, but I just you know I get it. We are still undersized. We don't have the depth, but we're getting bigger. We're we're moving in the right direction. Speaking of moving in the right direction, Tom, you just served it up on a platter. That's what I do. My good friends Chad and Shannon, the legendary team at Hamilton Home Loans, jumped on board with us last week. I told you about it. Hey, this is cool. You don't even know about this. They're in the upper right-hand corner of that screen right there. Aren't are they? they? I'm not looking on the screen. If you go to fsuhomeloans.com, fsuhomeloans.com, you'll see there right, written, we are a proud sponsor of uh, both the Nolcast and the Jeff Cameron Show. This is my logo there next to Yeah, next to there's Bud. A, yeah. a smaller. Yeah, well, right. We've got a large people. logo. I'm friends with them. Yeah. That's fine. I don't care. I mean, hey, listen, the bottom line is uh, Chad and Shannon are doing the right thing. They're investing and in uh, their fellow Knowles in Florida State and the, the, the home loan process and making it easier for our listeners to have the best possible experience. And our viewers. It's a wise expansion on their part in oh, 2022. smart, buddy. Very wise. Smart. But I just want you to go to the website. I want you to, to see it and then just kind of look around. Oh, by the way, if you do that, not only will you learn about how it is that they make the home loan process easier and better for you, and, and it, but you can, you'll, you'll never doubt again if you did to begin with, that they're Knowles. Look at those photos. They are all in, and they tell you about it. They teach you how. 
it's uh, it's fun to welcome in Shannon and Chad, the legendary team at Home Loans, Hamilton Home Loans, uh, onto the Jeff Cameron Show. Find them on Twitter, find them on Instagram, find them online, and you'll see us. I'm really celebrating us <laughs> and our and our new marriage to them. It's the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chat TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply the jeff cameron show is a production of the warchant.com multimedia network check out warchant.com today for the latest news inside florida state athletics that's warchant.com now back to jeff on real talk 93.3 florida state lost in baseball last night haven't mentioned it yet today i should midweek games don't always grab my attention the way that they should not that i'm overlooking the opponent or looking Overlooking the importance long term of some of these results early in the season, I don't. I don't think it means much. I don't think, for example, a lot of people like to leap to conclusions. Sometimes some of the stuff you see early in a baseball season does last. Last year, uh, early in the season, uh, you saw some signs that uh, we were going to have a hard time uh, contacting the baseball. Tom, early in the season. There was a sense that maybe we were going to struggle to contact the baseball. And that's annoying. That's kind of a key aspect at times of having success on the field. Uh, And it did last all year long, annoyingly so. Other things can get cleaned up. For example, I mentioned yesterday, day before, last week, that early in the season, some of the indicators are that uh, this group struggles on the base paths. They, They struggle... Uh, when it comes to decision-making on the base paths. They do things that uh, at times seem outlandish on the base paths. That's frustrating. I'd like to believe that is fixable, that you could clean that up. Yeah, maybe tell them to stop. Well, I just think that, for example, if you're a fat ass and I expect you to run a 4440. I can't. It's not going to happen. It's just unfair. It's like, look at this fat ass. He can't run a four four. I should stop asking him to run a four four. He's just not going to be able to. Look at him. He's rotund. Now, that's very different than I'm going to need you to not get hit by a baseball in fair territory when you're standing on third base. Kind of can't happen. I don't know how it happened. Let's not do that again, guys. Let's let's line up in such a way where it's not possible that that can happen. Let's not continually try to take two on routine singles or get to third from first if you get a bad jump on a ball that's rocketed to center field and being thrown back into the infield before you get to second. Let's not do that. Let's, that's not a good decision. It's in front of you. The play's in front of you. You can judge accordingly because the play's in front of you. So I'd like to believe they can fix the poor base running. The getting picked off at first routinely, 
we can fix that. We can get to where we fix that situation. That's a fixable situation. Yeah, now. if they can't, then they've done a poor job coaching. That's correct. It's a very simple thing. Now, that's why I don't panic about that aspect of what has been frustrating early in the year. Let's address something else that happened that led to a loss last night, which is the back end of this bullpen so far has failed. They haven't been good. There's no getting around that. They are not protecting leads in these midweek games uh, when we get to the late innings. That's unfortunate. It's frustrating. It doesn't necessarily portend of a year-long struggle on the back end of the bullpen. It means that while you're playing these games and subsequently, unfortunately, in this case, extra innings yet again, losing these games, that you better find somebody who can handle it. You better find somebody who can handle the pressure of coming in in the ninth inning and protecting a two-run lead. Somebody who doesn't walk uh, two hitters in the ninth inning when you're trying to protect a lead. Because that is, as they say in the business, a no-no. As a reliever, you don't walk people in a game that's a two-run game, one-run game. We want to avoid putting the game-tying runs on base or bringing the game-tying run to the plate, uh, especially if you can, by not, you know, walking people. So that's frustrating. That's a little frustrating. But that doesn't mean it's going to happen all year long. Could. Could happen all year long. Could. But we don't know for sure that it will. So I don't make grandiose pronouncements about what a team is or is not through eight games, nine games, ten games. I say, got to work on this. Luckily, the thing they're working on is fixable. Got to find somebody here. Still haven't found them. Got to find somebody over here. Now, that could be a problem because maybe they search all year and they don't find somebody. Then you don't trust anybody at the back end of a game. And that is a problem, and we will call it as such when we get more data, more data points, more evidence to suggest that that is a real problem. We know the starting pitching is good. We know they're better bat-to-ball. Uh, the modern game of baseball features too many strikeouts anyhow, so you're never going to eradicate that altogether. But what's hurt them in a couple of these games late, a couple of those things I think are very fixable. Yeah, I agree. The one hard part here is is I'm going to sound very results-oriented, which sounds more like football than, than a, a baseball board. mentality. Right. But you got to stop losing midweek games if you want to host in the postseason. Yeah, you got to not... stop doing it. We're, uh, listen, we're 19 and 17 in our last 36. Not all that's 11. So you got to stop losing midweek games. Now, we've got better arms in tow here. We think they're not in the back end of the game. Now, we had a couple of setup situations last night that were pitched beautifully. They were pitched beautifully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so maybe there's a graduation process well, and then you I mean. find the solution you're, you're looking for. Guy. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. you got to stop losing midweek games if you want to be a top 16 seed. Can't happen. It can't happen. Well, you can lose midweek games. Not at the rate we're Not at this rate. Yeah, not at the rate. 0 for 2 this year. That's very results-oriented. I get it. Yes, yes, but at some point, your your resume... Like, we want to get back to the point where we Mm -hmm. compare resumes and RPIs. Yeah, well, I'm okay. And I'm going to stand by what I said earlier. The makeup of this team is better than the makeup of last year's team. This team is better than last year's team. This team, I think, is going to be good. I am not going to freak out about a couple of midweek losses. I don't like it. I prefer it doesn't happen. I'm not going to worry all that much about it if we're hovering around 515, 20 games into the season. Not going to worry about it. If we still are at 30 games into the season, then yeah. I got, I got Wait, to if we're hovering around 500 with these arms that can start games for us mm-hmm. at, at 15 and 15 
through. No, if we're hovering around, I didn't say at 500, if we're 17 and 13 or something like that, Ooh, or, buddy. I'm not going to be over concerned. Because guess what? The arms that you're alluding to are going to start on a Friday and they're starting on a Saturday. And God help those teams that those two players are starting against. That's they're what I'm win saying. Series. So how the hell do you get to 17 and 13? I don't think we if, will be. Yeah. I don't think we will be. But if they're lose, if, if it's because we're losing a bunch of midweek games, I don't give a damn. I don't care. I don't, it doesn't, doesn't mean anything to me. You're still going to roll those two bad sons of bitches out there for the start of every meaningful series. So be it if it's on the road for a regional or super yeah, regional. so be it. I mean, it's baseball. Okay. Uh, listen, I, I, you agree those two atop the rotation are pretty close to as good as anybody has in the country. I would assume so. Yes. It looks that it way. It might be an unfair assumption, but way. it looks that way. Well, yes. I, it's not an unfair assumption when you consider that m- most professional scouts would agree with that assessment. Correct. Yes, and also considering that Messick within the ACC, which is usually quite good at this yeah. sport, yes, was a pitcher of the year. Was so, done, yes, yeah. you at least had the one. So Hubbard's on the way. It, yeah, yeah, very much so. I mean, you've seen his stuff. I mean, yes. Yeah, I, okay, yes. so if you have those guys in a series, that's a good advantage to have. Correct. I would just like that series when it matters to be here. I want it to be here, and they're going to win a lot of games, and we're not going to have to worry about it. We'll see if they do. Um, you know, we, we head back now to Tallahassee for that series against Cal that we've all been looking forward it's to. It's just, okay, we talk about this in basketball, shorter season than baseball. Not terribly shorter than baseball, mm-hmm. but certainly it is. Where, man, that loss is really going to hurt you down the stretch. You didn't need to suffer that loss, and I feel like we've already used a couple of those up. Last night and Sunday are two examples where it's like, come on, guys. You well, don't need to lose that. Even I, don't like losing, won. I don't like losing games late when you have a lead, and, and it's happened twice now where because you've had a lead and, and your you're back end of your bullpen uh, screwed you. But it's early in the season, and I would rather him figure out who can and who can't. Now, you're going to give a guy more than one chance to of screw course it up. You are. Yes. I don't, where, I don't want them to tight ass it during the midweek right, either. Right. I, I, and I know that's talking out of both sides of your mouth, but what I'm saying is. You don't want these freebies or in a situation where you're ahead and you could close out, get find me six outs, find me whatever it is. You're up five to one. And then you get down to the seating line, and now we're playing in a super regional in Baton Rouge instead of hosting it because it comes down to mistakes like this continuing for we'll weeks on go, end. We'll just go win that thing in Baton Rouge <laughs> like last time, buddy. That's our home away from home. We Who wants cert- a piece? I love us in a super regional because we roll out one and two with right. this rotation. I do. Right. Right. But, you know, that doesn't mean we have to go on the road. No, and two losses like this doesn't mean we are going on the road. I mean, there's a lot of baseball to be played, and you'll offset some of this from an RPI standpoint that you're worried about by winning these series against really good teams yes. as opposed to dropping a one-off against Jacksonville or Mercer or whomever. Right. I agree. That's why I'm saying it sounds results-oriented where I say, could you please stop doing that? <laughs> well, I don't like it. Could, could you please stop I it? I hate losing it. I hate losing it. I'm not it. indifferent to it. I don't like it. Well, you stop doing that? I'm indifferent to it early, and I'm not leaping to conclusions early. I am noting that it has happened. Two fingers to my eyes, two fingers back to them. Let's get this worked out. But we'll be all right. I'm not going to flip out. I know everybody, as soon as the game ends last night, the same old. No, it's not. It's not same old. Not necessarily. Nor am I saying that. But if if we were both parenting in this situation or we were counselors. Oh, buddy. It's yeah. your turn. You handle this one. I'm going to walk away for a minute. I'm yeah. going to be okay. Oh, I've had a conversation. Currently, I'm having a conversation with my oldest one about a very annoying uh, and predictable uh, result of certain things. I'll just leave it at that. I'll leave it vague to protect his privacy. Nothing terrible. I've had this discussion time and again, and I had to have it again earlier this week already, and 
I had reached my point of, so we, we need to do this again? We have to have this conversation again. I've tried every which way to Sunday. I've done the very calm. I'd like to talk with you for a moment, Bryce. And then proceeded to explain, lay bare the issues I have with a certain behavior. I need to send you the clip. But we stopped Judgment Day. <laughs> judgment Day is inevitable. <laughs> so then I, I do that. Then there is the fire and brimstone version, which is, Bryce, how many times am I going to have to have this conversation, which just continues to elevate, and threats of repercussions and things taken away and that kind of stuff, right? And then there is the, all right, babe, you talk to him, because if I do, I'm going to throw him through that window and then walk out the door. There's that version. Bryce, am I going to have to levy economic <laughs> sanctions here, the likes of which you've never seen? Orange Theory Fitness, where if you need to vet and get some of these frustrations out after an argument with your spouse or your children, perhaps frustration at work, whatever it might be. Or you, you blow a lead in the ninth inning. Perhaps, and it eats at you for days on end. Then maybe you need to go to Orange Theory Fitness and uh, help yourself out. Get uh, mentally right, get physically right. It is science-based and backed and proven to work. I guarantee it. Go see my friends at Orange Theory Fitness and figure it out. That first class is always free. You'll learn the deal. And that first month, by the way, is free if you purchase a heart rate monitor, which you're going to want to do. You're going to want to see your improved fitness along the way. That's the evidence that you'll need uh, as your guide to keep coming back time and again. Orange Theory Fitness, two locations in Tallahassee, Midtown, and on the north side over by Fresh Market. Uh, go on in and, uh, and let them know. Man, I listen to that Jeff Cameron every day. Isn't he spectacular? He is. He is. What can I help you with? Well, I'd like to sign up with Orange Theory Fitness. There you go. That's how it's done. The Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness. Two Tallahassee locations, Midtown on Thomasville Road, and Northside in the Village Common Shopping Center. Online at orangetheoryfitness.com. Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio War Chant TV. Great song, great band. Uh, really quickly, didn't mention this to start the show either. And that's not fair. That's not fair. They could shock us. They could. Florida State, Notre Dame, Knowles, 15 and 13, 8 and 10 in the ACC. Notre Dame, 21 and 8, 14 and 4 in the ACC. Tonight, 7 o'clock, TLC C televised on ESPN2. If you're not making your way over to the TLC C to get down with the Knowles and cheer on a potential upset victory, it would be an upset. The Knowles are rare underdogs at home to Notre Dame. And I'm going to put this out there for the world to hear. Get this. There's a method to the madness, Tom. I took Notre Dame and laid the two for big money. I did first thing this morning. Did you really? I said, that's a crazy spread. Notre Dame's going to beat Florida State's ass. Give me the Fighting Irish minus two against the Knowles. Why should you believe me? Because Kane told me so. That's why you should believe me. Yeah. Doesn't make me a traitor. I'm an opportunist. I look for uh, chances to make money wherever possible. You're the Phil Mickelson of this beat, sir. I don't know about all that. I'm not selling those picks to a foreign invader. Uh, but I, I will tell you that um, 
that I do uh, think Notre Dame wins uh, comfortably tonight by more than the two presented from Vegas. And I did it. And when I said it out loud, I could tell your spidey senses went off. You thought, that is low. Maybe I'll take Notre Dame minus two against the Knowles tonight as well. Well, you know what you've just done? Hmm. You have unlocked the skills of Wyatt Wilkes. <laughs> Seven for ten from oh, three tonight. Oh, buddy. In the penultimate game of his uh, home playing Thank career. God. FSU leads the all-time series against Notre Dame. We're seven and five. First ever meeting coming in the second round of the 2011 NCAA tournament in Chicago, where we bitched that team in front of their fans, and it was glorious. It's an edgy day. We were the 10 seed, they were the two seed. The announcers and fans in Chicago falling all over themselves to uh, massage Notre Dame. Notre Dame was in the Big East at that time, Tom. My wife was in Seminole Sound at that time. She made the trip to watch a Carl White karate kick Hansbro in the face. In the face? Uh, In ACC play, we also have the, uh, the edge. Six wins, five losses. We're 5-0 and all-time in the TLC Double C against Notre Dame. Ooh. House of whores for the Fighting Irish when they roll in here, buddy. Because as I'm fond of pointing out, you do not just stroll on into the TLC Double C and expect to walk away with victory. Three of those home wins were by three points or less for us in those games. So not yep. only has it been a place that Notre Dame simply cannot solve, it has been... Infinitely frustrating. One of those nights was um, in the Vista. You and I were there amongst Mm. many friends. Mm. And I believe it was after a local beer drinking festival that night, so it was extra rowdy. It was particularly rowdy that night. And they had an open look, wide open look for three, not unlike Clemson. I feel like it was a better look than even Clemson's was. Was that 73-71 in 2020, or was that 76-74 in 2014? Ooh. That had been... That had been 20... It had to be the 2020 game. That had to be the 2020 game. Not that long ago. Huh. 73, 71. It's just weird to think about 2020 and an event that you could attend. But uh, y- yes, we did. Yeah. 73, attend, 71, 2020. Yeah. Two teams met only once last season in South Bend in the uh, regular season finale with the Irish upsetting us, 83, 73. Uh, they went 28 of 34 from the free throw line. It's a lot of free throws. A lot of made free throws. Uh, a loss which handed the number one seed in the ACC tournament to Virginia. That pissed me off. We lost the regular season title, and then there was the Georgia Tech debacle later. Pissed it away. On two fronts. Yes. So the last four years, Notre Dame uh, has basically, I think their fans would admit this. Coach Bray may not, but I think their fans would. They've underachieved. They have not lived up to expectations at all. They have been failures compared to their expectations preseason and otherwise. They have a lot of talent on their roster. They have wins over Kentucky, North Carolina, Miami, and Virginia offset by a bad loss at Boston College back in December. Ooh, we can relate. They have five returning veterans who have never made it to the NCAA tournament as evidence to their failures. That many returning starters for this many years never having been to the NCAA tournament. You know who can't relate to that, Florida State? Not at all. In fact, all of our returning starters can only relate going to the Sweet 16. So at what point in their five-year career do they realize that they took a scholarship offer to a dump of a town with no payoff? Oh, they're sitting there in the bitter cold next to that dump of a stadium that is overstated. and um, There's no payoff. Yeah. 
There hasn't been, Tom. There hasn't been. They do have a shot at winning the ACC's regular season title, however, this year. So they will play hard, hence the minus two that I took for tonight. Or if they lose tonight and then they lose to us on one magical week in Brooklyn, they're out of the tournament. Oh, my goodness. They're out of the dance. Just like that. They're fifth in the ACC in field goal percentage, third in the ACC in – and field goal percentage, what did I say? Yeah, yeah, field, yeah that's three-point field goal percentage. Second in free throw percentage. This all adds up to a problem for Florida State, who refuses to guard anybody beyond the arc. We don't guard the three-point line. We do like to commit live ball turnovers to boot. So it's a little disconcerting tonight coming into the game. Uh, we'll go from there. By the way, did you watch the very entertaining North Carolina-Syracuse game last night? I did. I watched it. It was fantastic. Congratulations. I did not. You no. should have. You missed out. You know what I was doing? I was scouring the Washington futures Florida market. Washington State baseball fail at Mercer. Actually, no. I was uh, at a movie theater because there was a 50th anniversary screening of The Godfather, which I wanted to see you on the big screen. You I, went to that? I did. Oh, I'm so proud of you. I didn't know it existed. I didn't get an invite from you or anything, but I do. That's a fantastic moment for you. It was. It was <laughs> very big. I yeah. believe in America. Yeah. Yeah. And I also was scouring the futures market. It's uh, plus 7,500 for the Knowles to, fo- you know, to finish the job in one magic week in Brooklyn. <laughs> so I threw a couple of pizza uh, yeah. dollars a on it. pizza money on it? Yeah. Okay. Notre Dame's a game and a half back. Uh, Duke currently, so again, they'll play hard. And they need to win because they sit at the uh, 48th spot in the net, 48 in Ken Palm. Uh, I, they've been a good team, man. They're 6-3 and three on the road. Uh, they're 8-1 and one at home. Uh, Notre Dame's good. I hate to admit it, they're good. And I think they'll, they'll win tonight. I'll put it that way. I think they'll win tonight. I uh, hate that. Really hate that. It does bother me. What are you going to do? Uh, Duke uh, won over Pitt. FSU only has one other team to worry about in regard to the tiebreaker. But if it beats Miami, uh, if Miami beats Boston College in Chestnut Hill tonight, which I gave, I, I once again jumped on board and took Miami minus four tonight on the road against Boston College. I'm just showering the folks with bets. Uh, then that means we're a lock, as I predicted earlier, for the 8-9 game of the ACC tournament against Syracuse. That game will take place Wednesday, one week from today. At noon. Oh. The old Wednesday nooner. Well, how about a post-game victory reaction show right here on these airways? <laughs> I'm in. Yeah. It wouldn't matter what we do in the final two home games if uh, all that plays out. As I just mentioned, Duke's win also gives the Blue Devils uh, Blue Devils number one seed in the ACC tournament. I sounded like uh, Lou Holtz there for a moment. So there's that. Uh, by the way, the ACC women's tournament does kick off today in Greensboro. I haven't checked. Have you been checking? Uh, the Lady Knowles. 16 and 12, 10 and 8. I'm not supposed to say that. The women's basketball team, 16 and 12, 10 and 8 in the ACC. Net ranking of 51. Opening play in the 8 9 game scheduled for 2 o'clock tomorrow. So the ACC is highly ranked, though, in women's basketball, unlike men's back- basketball. So the bracketology for the women is better. They're expecting eight teams to get in from the ACC, by the way. Boy, the- those are the days. Yeah. So right now. Coach Sue and her squad are mentioned in the first four out if you're uh, pulling it up in the women's college basketball bracketology, which I had to look up because I haven't watched a second of it. Uh, so I looked it up today to see you know, where, where they were, but they're amongst the first four out. So it's a big week in Greensboro. Come on. Let's get this done. Come on, Coach Sue. She can't hear me right now. She's up there. But if she could, I would be imploring her. 
Get a win here. We can't have both our basketball programs sitting at the hizzy for the NCAA tournament. She'd say, come to a game. I'd say no. I kid. I'd say she'd chuckle, secretly cursing me. Yeah. But then we'd sit down and have a good talk like we always do. It's all right. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the WarChant.com Multimedia Network. Check out WarChant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's WarChant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk Dopey, the answer is yes, yes, of course. Um, I, despite sometimes proclaiming that I will not always do, watch and root for our beloved Knowles. I will watch the game tonight. Um, By the way, get down or lay down, uh, always one of my favorites uh, on the chat and interactive. Uh, I watch First 48 uh, pretty consistently. I'm really curious about uh, you uh, giving a deposition to the Fulton County DA on your role in finding the murderer that was on First 48. That's incredible. Maybe, I don't know, you could, you could, uh, we, we could figure out a way. I'd love to know that. I, I, I watch that show all the time. I probably watched it when you were involved. That's amazing. Uh, also, uh, another question, I think, uh, well, no, everything else has been addressed. So we're good to go. We're good to go. Uh, T-Spark Enterprises, roofing and construction, always, if, uh, look, commercial tenant build-outs, if you want to do that, you're looking to open a second store or something like that, a new restaurant, et cetera, need commercial renovations to get the uh, space design the way you need it, call my man T-Spark, T-Spark Roofing and Construction. Uh, I've also mentioned about replacing your roof and the tax benefits if you want to go solar, all that good stuff. That's T-Spark Roofing and Construction. And I will segue into some picks right now. I've already given out a bunch of them. I've just been sprinkling them throughout the show. Feel pretty good about it. Where is my phone? i got to look at what I did with my bookie so that I can give you some real numbers here. Oh, wow. Okay. This some is real-time information. Real-time information. He's here. got you covered, does uh, old Big Daddy J, the way that T-Spark will cover your house. That's it. That's right. I, uh, I did do Notre Dame minus two. I actually bet against us. Uh, I took Miami minus four as well. Uh, did that. and uh, Did you patch them together in the old parlay? I didn't parlay it. Nope. Okay. Nope. Just did it separately. Uh, I took the over in LSU, Arkansas. If you get, by the way, Indiana at home minus four and a half against Rutgers, I would do that. There was an injury that got pulled off the board. You may have to shop that around, but I like Indiana. Rutgers is terrible on the road. Really good at home. All of this, of course, before I get Tom's wagers, brought to you by our friends at North Florida Payroll Services, locally owned for nearly 15 years, offering payroll and HR services services, including full online applicant onboarding and integration into payroll. Save your company money and headaches today. Head to NorthFordPayroll.com. You know, I'll tell you, I'm not feeling the NHL right now. There's some weird things going on, some trends that are being bucked, and the reason these trends are being bucked is because (laughs) there's a lot of hockey games going on right now. Uh, Uh, Because of the Olympic break, which they didn't fully mm. fill and account for. Well, and and hockey's always screwed up. Most teams are are finishing the season playing 30-plus games in 60 days. 
Woo. Used to be not allowable Woo. by the C- CBA, but this is a special provision this year because of the Olympic break. And Collaborative effort, I might add. That's correct, and they're trying to make up for lost time with COVID. And Together. Get the, and get the schedule mm-hmm. on time. Nice so, of them. That is a long-winded way of saying, eh, not so sure. If you really had to pick something tonight, which, again, I wouldn't, it might be the Rangers on the puck line. The Rangers on the puck line because uh, – that's a, that's a pretty good provision for you. I got to get top, plus money. I got top twenties for you for Bay Hill. Keith Mitchell at plus two ten is what I got it at earlier in the day. I don't know if it's moved. Probably has. I got that at like ass o'clock this morning. Also, Tom, I like Hideki Matsuyama. Uh, if I could speak Matsuyama uh, at plus one fifty top twenty. Uh, Will Zalatoris, who I routinely bet on. Uh, if you were looking for an outright winner. Uh, you can obviously get great odds with any outrights because it's hard to win a golf tournament. I also like uh, Hideki Matsuyama as an outright at twenty-eight to one, um, and I like uh, Will Zalatoris at uh, thirty to one as well. Finally, I'll give you some outside the numbers uh, stuff that I put in my notes here. Keegan Bradley missed the cut the first time he ever played this tournament. Since then, he has made the cut in nine straight efforts at Bay Hill. So I've got him making the cut. If you want to put him top 40 because you trust him to make the cut, then you can get plus money doing that. Is it a good provision? Because Keegan Bradley, uh, I wonder. He makes the cuts, man. Keegan Bradley is kind of a, a fantasy golfer's friend. He's not a threat to win anything, but he plays well enough to make cuts. You know, there are a lot of guys like that, by the way. Sung J.M., who's a better player than Keegan Bradley is these days, not much of a threat to win every year, every week, but he's a threat to finish in the top 10, and he plays everything. I really like that Matsuyama number for the top 20 finish at plus 150. Plus 150, yeah. I mean, he's a first pager or nothing, really, but does he have a history at this course? Because I don't feel like I remember him doing a whole hell of a lot there, but am I wrong? Uh, T. Green, he's exceptional. The problem is he doesn't putt well. That's the story of his career. When he yeah. does putt well, he wins tournaments. Bottom line is for him, if he plays to zero as a putter, Okay, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. no minus numbers. He's, he's not yeah, losing middle strokes. Of the, middle of the pack. Right, he's not losing strokes to the field putting. If he's just average as hell putting, uh, he'll probably win the tournament because he's better than all of them in so many other categories. So I don't know. This, this is where you know I, I enjoy the field once I see them, but mm-hmm. you're doing these kinds of homeworks on Mondays and Tuesdays. Yeah. Is Morikawa in the field for this event? No. It doesn't feel like one that he would play typically. No. You know that he's number two. In, on the PGA Tour and strokes gained putting this year? Yeah, that's stunning because he misses putting. a lot of putts, especially when things are important. Now, that's weird to say because he's probably the best iron player in the world. Uh, but but he did that with a playing four rounds at Riviera. Noted uh, difficult greens. I get that's his state uh, and that's his side uh, of the country. He loves the course. I picked him to win it. He finished second or third, whatever it was. Second, yeah. yeah it was a I mean, rousing performance on Sunday afternoon. But him? Second in the world strokes game putting? Look out, John Rom. The the bottom line is this. If he putts, he wins. Uh, Betsy Yama's not quite the iron player that uh, he is. But, he used to be. But but he, I mean, he's, listen, nobody's, if, if you're going to say, if we go through, the, the, it's amazing to me. This is how good these players are as we sign off and get me on a golf tangent and just diving into those numbers and having fun with it. As it's a, okay. I'm trying to make money here. No, no, but what you find out is this, like, Every one of these guys are, you know, incredible golfers across the board, right? So what you're trying to find is horses for courses, who puts well, and what kind of grass, you know, who's who's had a history somewhere. But then also, when you get into the depth of their numbers, so Rory McIlroy, for example, like we we dog him because we uh, so much is expected of him. If he just 
gets his proximity to hole with his irons ever. Specifically to be, wedges. Yes. If he's just, you know, if he, if he narrows that proximity to the hole to inside of 20 feet instead of constantly at 30 feet, he wins tournaments. He just doesn't do it enough. Good work out of you. Good work, Matthew. Be well, everybody. Talk to you again tomorrow.